This is Agents Influence Podcast. We're exchanging our knowledge, our skill, our talents for money. Pay yourself as owners. We should pay ourselves what we would pay anyone else to do that same job. If you sell, pay yourself a commission as a salesperson. If you manage, pay yourself a commission as a manager. If you do the books and you strategize, pay yourself as a strategist, as a consultant. That's what I do for the agency. I'm probably the least paid person in our agency, but all I do is I maintain our books, I work with our CPAs, I strategize. I'm Jason Cass and we're going to help you think differently. Change your agency. Change your finances. Change your family. And in the end, we're going to change an industry. Let's go. All right, all right, all right. Welcome you loyal listeners to another episode of Agents Influence Podcast, Conversations with Who? Me, Jason Cass, and I am here with you. You know the thing about this podcast that is so special is like agents agency intelligence is like the the thing that gets it's it gets all the shiny, right? Everybody's like, "Oh, agency intelligence." But people don't know except for you loyal listeners that this is actually the podcast that started on March 22nd of 2013. That's how special it is. And as a loyal listener, you're listening going, Cass, tell me something I don't know. I'm getting ready to. I brought my boy Eric Garcia on. Now, I was talking with him a couple week, couple days ago because him and I have some exciting news that we're going to bring forward probably in around two or three um, months whenever the SEC gives him clearance. Um, what we have to do is, is I was talking with him and... He told me about these 21 things he has. And I mean, he started telling me some of them. I'm like, damn it. This is what I'm talking about, Eric. You're really not full of shit when I, he tells me this stuff. And so then I have to redo my thinking. No, I'm joking. Everybody, welcome to the podcast, Eric Garcia. Jason, how are you? 2013. You started this podcast in 2013. Yeah. yeah. Mar- I just went through my 10-year anniversary this year. I was prepping for the show because you know I don't, you know, I always do. You tell me not to, but I always do. Yeah, you and I'm do. thinking about the fact that we met in 2011. Mm-hmm. That it's been almost 13 years. And wild man, it's man, been your it's, forehead was your forehead was a little smaller, and my hair was a little darker and a little thicker. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, man. I know. 21 things. So my 21 things. It's it's a it's a what running is it? list. Okay, what is it? Go list. ahead. So you know that Eric. One real quick, real quick. Yeah. If people don't exactly know you like I do as my Cuban brother. Tell them the the uh, what your agency and you have your own podcast. Real quick. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, quick bio. So we do have a podcast. It's called Stuff About Money They Didn't Teach You in School. I'm a financial planner. 90% of my time is spent on the financial planning investment management side. And I would say 50% of that time, if not more, is spent working directly with insurance agency owners or people who are like immediately adjacent to the insurance space. Adjacent to the industry. So that would be like a a vendor, a tech creator. Tech person, right. Okay. Tech creator, founder. Makes sense. So yeah, it's a, it's a growing niche. I I realized one day for 13 years, when I first met you, I had started the agency. So I own an independent agency, started it back in 2010, came from the captive space, realized that I wasn't spending enough time in the agency world to really know how to operate it. So I had to jump, I had to like a shortcut my learning curve. And that's when I connected with you. You were speaking at a, I think it was a Big Eye convention. Sundestin, right? Or Sandestin. That's right. It was a Louisiana Big Eye. You spoke. Yep. We connected. 
I might have been one of, you know, top first 10, 15 members of, of what was it? Dime, D, Dime, what was it? Uh, Dima. Dima. Digital, Digital Insurance, Insurance Marketing, Marketing Academy. Academy. Yeah, Academy. People yeah. have no idea I create, we created yeah, that so many years ago. I still have those videos online in the mastermind. You can go in and yeah. watch me and Brent Kelly. And you remember uh, Ryan Hanley was doing yeah. uh, Google Plus? Yeah, your presentation, your, your presentation was about how to run, how to give away, I think it was a, an iPad on a Facebook iPad. campaign. Oh, dude. What? I made a shitload of money on that in 09 and 2010, bro. No one was doing it. And that was the time when you made a post, everybody saw it, right? Yeah. So it was like, oh my God, God, that was so I remember. Time. I remember specifically talking to you after, and this was my thought. So you were running your agency out of your basement, I think. You were, mm -hmm. living, yeah. mm -hmm. you were living on a golf course, I think, at the time. Yep. Run yep. your agency. And I think you had like 80,000 in premium or something, some stupid number, some something small stupid. number. And I'm like... This guy here, he's like teaching us how to build agencies and like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and I was thinking I'm back where I was as well, man. In 12 years, man, we've, we've got so much. If I was so teaching them how to run their agency at that day, I had no business. Where mine was, and you know this, mine was the future. I saw where we were going, so I wasn't going to build my agency like them. And man, I remember about the only person I had on my team at that time was Steve Anderson, which if you're a loyal listener, I just did a podcast with him that probably came out last week. He is a fantastic gem of the agents industry, and he kind of elevates at a different, like uh, um, he's more of a big eye guy and different things, so we don't really get to see him a lot. But there, that man, we so, owe a lot to him to the industry. So I'm telling, I'm telling this story for a reason. I'm tying. I'm tying back into our topic. I'm tying back. Go into ahead. Our Sorry, topic. sir. So thinking Sorry, about sir. That time, I was thinking about man, 13 years of knowing Jason. I kind of launched. I would say my aggressive learning in the agency space. Started learning a lot in the agency space. So um, reflecting back, I was trying to make notes since I work with a lot of insurance folks. I was like, man, you know, one of the added values of having a financial planner that knows your grind, knows mm -hmm. your space, knows the, the rhythms of your business, the challenges, the obstacles, um, how to operate processes, right. workflows, the vendors that you're using, someone who can speak your language like, man, okay, so I gotta, I should come up with just things that I've learned in, in my, in my journey of being an agency owner. I'm not a producer. I've produced. I'm not a, uh, I'm not a trainer. I don't train people in my agency. Um, I have. So what are these things that I've learned along the way as an agency owner? So I, I started making a list. I'm taking okay. a podcast on them. But yeah, our podcast stuff about money they didn't teach you in school. It's pretty cool. It's one of the greatest uh, names. It's so cool. It tells you exactly what the heck I'm going to get out of that podcast. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So anyway, so I, I picked five of my favorite Five of my favorite lessons that I go back, like, you know, what are the- And you say you got 21 of them, but you picked five. At 21 right now. It's a, it's a running list. Some of them may- I just sat down one morning. It just started started kind of stream of conscious. You think stream this could be conscious. a book eventually? I don't know, man. Right. I, got, I got like 16 book ideas and just yeah. that, right. I don't have the, the initiative to actually- Number one. Write it. Number one. You ready for this? Yep. Know how you make money. Okay. So- Sounds simple. No, you make money. As agency owners, there's two ways we make money in, in the space. One is an agency owner through ownership. And then one is through actually working and laboring in the agency. Let me explain that. When you own something, there's two ways you make money. Number one is through dividends or distributions of profit. Right? If I'm an owner 
and whatever I own is profitable and there's money to distribute, I, I take money, right? Okay. The second way we make money as owners is through capital appreciation, right? I've got this, this asset that over time appreciates in value, and then I sell it and I make a lot of money. Make a lot of money. Right? So I can make an option, I can, I can make a decision to say, you know what, I have this agency, rather than me taking distributions or profit from it, cash flow regularly, that's one way I make money, I'm gonna take that money and I'm gonna reinvest it back in my agency. I'm gonna hire a new producer. I'm gonna onboard new technology. I'm gonna hire a COO. I'm, I'm reinvesting. How it. do I make money though? Okay. Well, you make money. The second way you make money is through your labor or your work in the agency, right? What do you do for the agency? You're exchanging. We all do this. We all work one way or another. Yeah, We're right. exchanging our knowledge, our skill, our talents for money. Pay yourself as owners. We should pay ourselves what we would pay anyone else to do that same job. If you sell, pay yourself a commission as a salesperson. If you manage, pay yourself a commission as a manager. If you do the books and you strategize, pay yourself as a, as a strategist, as a consultant. That's what I do for the agency. I'm probably the least paid person in our agency, but all I do is I maintain our books. I work with, with our, our, our CPAs. Um, I strategize. And then do you um, make money? Let's say, you, let's say somebody out there has to has somebody they're paying $5,000 a month to, and that's the job that they've decided to do, and they're the owner. Are they making the money off the distributions and off the profit at the end of the year? Or how are you supposed to live on $60,000 a year as an agency no, owner? That's no, just no, not no, realistic. As owners, we could, pay, we could take distributions every month if we want to. But you said you were taking a salary, so you're saying take your salary of what you would pay for that position, but also obviously distributions and stuff. Okay, okay. Yeah, I just wanted and to clear that up. And here's the thing: most of us as agency owners, okay, most of your listeners are probably active in the agency. They're probably Correct. doing six-figure work in the agency. Correct. That's right? a good point. They built their own book, so there's commissions that are being spun off that book. They might not be actively selling, but they have this book, and someone else is managing it. So they're you know, pay yourself what you would pay someone else to do that work. Hmm. Here's why this is important. And there's Tell two me. lessons here. Okay. First, I remember years and years and years ago with my first business partner, I was, I was having dinner with uh, an estate attorney that I did some work with on the financial side. And I was lamenting to him that, man, the business is struggling. This was probably like in 2011, 2012, kind of in the early, in the early days. I said, man, the business is struggling. My line of credit is growing. I, I, I'm not profitable. And I'm paying my business partner a salary and like, he's not producing. He's not producing. And I realized, man, I was, he was taking a draw or paying him for something that he wasn't doing. Just, the work wasn't getting done. So the attorney told me this. He goes, Eric, you got to separate how you make money as an owner and, a, and as, a, as a worker. You make money two different ways. And you should pay yourself as a worker, pay your partner as a worker, and then this is how you make money as a as an owner, and that totally changed. It changed how I started paying myself. It changed how I paid my partner. Um, I went back to him, presented a new comp schedule, and I was a majority owner, so um, he had input. But at the end of the day, I had full voting power. And I said, "Hey, look, you're supposed to be selling, so your comp is. You know, we've been at this for two years now. Your comp's going to be based off of a, a, a commissioned salesperson." Scared the hell out of him. Um, Did he leave or what did he do? He left. It was amicable. It was amicable. Yeah. He left. I bought what happens? And then what happens? Um, three years later, Giovanni bought in. And Gio will tell you, God, you know, I'll, I'll call Gio. Gio, we got to talk compensation. And he goes, oh, brother, you're going to do it to me again. I said, do what? 
He goes, you're going to cut my compensation. I said, no, 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 no. I'm not cutting your compensation. As owners, we've got to make sure that we're, we're paying our employees for the work that they're doing. I'm talking to geo employee, not geo owner. Like now right. geo owner, we're sitting on this side of the table talking to geo producer on this side of the table. Mm-hmm. We're paying geo producer for work that he's not doing anymore because your role has, has grown. He goes, yeah, every time you do this, I make less. I said, you make less for like two or three months. And we looked back a history of his compensation. Every time we changed his compensation, he was probably making 20 to 30% more within a few months because we're paying the employee part of the owner for the work that they were doing. So that's how I learned that lesson. Here's where I see the problem, okay? And you're going to understand this. We see this in second generation agencies. How many agencies do you talk to the son or the daughter who's working for mom or dad? And I usually just hear it with dads. I I haven't heard this with with mom agency owners, with dad agency owners who built the agency, who are semi-retired, who still want to draw a quarter million dollars in salary for doing nothing. And now you have the kid who's doing all the work who doesn't have cash to grow the agency and is struggling because dad wants to take a quarter million dollar payment. At that point, I'm like, buy dad out. But dad doesn't want to sell. So dad wants to get paid for all the work that he's done, robs the agency of cash flow to be able to to hire a new producer, upgrade technology, hire the proper service people. So always pay, as owners, we should pay ourselves for the work that we do and then we should be motivated to be profitable so that we can we can either And grow. one of the reasons why is they're terrible business owners and they didn't plan and their IRA was 100% their agency from the get-go. So really where the problem is is they didn't tell their son up front that hey, just so you know that one of these days when you buy this, this is still I'm still going to take some money out of here because depending on the situation if that's always been you and your spouse's plan you know, that's the way it is. Now, Eric Garcia, and to all you loyal listeners, you can tell how good this is, and we're already 15 minutes into it, so there, this will be a two, maybe three, maybe four-part series. Oh, wow. Um, well, just so you know, Eric, I try to keep my podcast around 20 to 30 minutes now. Um, Do my you? Listener, my okay. listeners like it. No, my listeners okay. like it. Oh, so it's two. okay. So, so we'll, no, get, we'll get number two in? But I, Yeah, I'm number two, but I don't want you to cut any of this shit short, okay? We can do multiple podcasts, right? All I'm right. that semi-retired guy, and so yeah. are you. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, we did. Number two, you ready for this one? Yeah. You should have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life. You should have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life. Let me explain this. This is, this is a reference to... Eric is a very spiritual person for all the loyal listeners. Go ahead. Whether whether you're spiritual or not, um, this is obviously you, you a reference. You base a lot of your great principles in it, though. I like that. I respect it. a lot that. of great wisdom, right? Yeah, plan, I respect plan, it. Plan wisely. I got to tell you the story of my logo one day. Um, so have a Paul, a Barnabas, and a Timothy in your life. This is a reference to the New Testament, okay? A Paul, a Timothy, and who? A Barnabas. A Barnabas, okay. Okay. Hello, loyal listeners. Hey, are you a local agent struggling to find markets for your client? Maybe you, maybe not. Look no further than Nation Brokerage Solutions. With over 200 carriers, their comprehensive options give you what you need for your customers' ever-changing needs. With NBS, as they say it in the cool world, you can confidently offer a wide range of options to better support your customers and grow your business, AK Agency. Don't settle for less. Do more with NBS. For more information about nationwide brokerage solutions, visit nbsbrokerage.com. Cast certified. Paul, for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure I know a lot of your listeners know these characters in, in the Bible. Yep. Paul was responsible for 
60 plus percent of the New Testament, um, right in the New Testament, Paul was a mentor. Okay? okay. Paul mentored Timothy. Timothy was a mentee, right? So we should have a Paul in our life. We should have a mentor, someone who's got experience. We should have a Timothy, someone that we're pouring into, right? And Paul even told Timothy that Timothy should be teaching others. And then Barnabas was a co-laborer or co-worker or a, 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 a co-sojourner with Paul. He would go on his missionary journeys and they would work together. Okay? Okay. So in our life, we need to have someone who has more wisdom than us. And think about this in, in multiple domains in your life, not just in business, as a family person, as a husband, as a father, um, uh, in your faith. There should be someone above you with more wisdom that's pouring into you. You should have someone on your level that you kind of journey with, mastermind members. That's a okay, really good like example. This. Okay. And then you should have someone that you're pouring into, that you're teaching, that you're bringing up. So you should, you should be working to have those three relationships filled in, in multiple domains in your life. I like that. I like that. So you need to have someone that you're a mentor, someone you run with, someone you're pouring into. Yeah. I like that a lot. I like that a lot. And loyal listeners, I think this is a time where we stop for a minute and just think, right? No one hears you. I don't hear you. Eric doesn't hear you. But just think to yourself, whether you're running, swimming, driving down the road, like who are those people in your life? Do you have those? Do you have a Paul, but maybe not a Timothy? Right. So there's just something to think about. Um, that, that's a that's a big thing. And Eric, when it comes to that a little shameless self-promotion, I'm really going to start pushing after September the mastermind hard. I think there's a deep need for what we can have in the what and what we have in that. So that's something we're looking at. I like that a lot, dude. I like that. What was what kind of speared your what speared your thought into that to say that that was one of your things you learned, Eric? So long, 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 long time ago, one of my mentors. He presented it to me something a little bit differently. Like we should have someone, someone who pours into us, someone who we walk with, and someone who we pour into. It was, it was just like that. And recently, in a mastermind meeting with with other financial planners, we were having a conversation, and this was the context of a retreat that one of my buddies went on. So we were talking about it, and and I just liked that language. I liked the the illustration and the characters. Um, I think we can relate to people. So when we see we can see different people and see a vision of what that looks like, it's easier for us to, to walk into that. I like that. I like that a lot. Okay. Yeah. So well, that's, that, that's short, easy, and powerful. Yeah. You like that, huh? I knew you'd like that one. Yeah, I do. I like it. It's very simplistic. I like simple things. I'm a simple guy. I tell people all the time, I'm not smart at all. I uh, just, you're smarter than you give yourself credit for. I do, but I, I just I just all outwork you. So yeah. that's just that was already been my strategy. All right, number three, we're gonna do this one's gonna be the final one as we wrap. Are you gonna pick up. a shorter one because number three is a little bit long. No, 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 no. Pick a long you, one. We got time. We got time. One? Yeah, I don't want to. I don't want. Yeah, I don't want to cut any of this short. All right, all right, all right. You ready for this one? Yeah. Know your company culture. Okay. You have one, whether you state it or you didn't. You yes. have a culture. Yes. Here's what I have found. I love that. Here's what I have found. There's things we believe is our culture. <laughs> and then there's our real culture. Okay. You can okay. pick, you can pick cool buzzwords, integrity, honor, whatever, right? But the question I have is that your is that really the culture that is that is being manifested in your agency? Okay. Correct. So what I did was 
And really what you want to do is you want to make sure that that your real values, the, the values that you actually want, um, that your culture is aligned with those values. And I see that often it's not. Like, yeah, this is our value, but our culture sucks. You know, we have we have people who are who are greedy. We have people who are not team players, and, and but yet our value is team players, right? Mm-hmm. So what I did was, um, and this came from, I heard Tony Sheesh speak back in like 2010 or so. He was the founder of Zappos, uh, or not the founder, but he was the, the CEO of Zappos. Ah. And, um, and he wrote a book called uh, Delivering Happiness. And it was, about, it was about the core values of Zappos. So he really inspired me to really understand our core values. So, so one, was, of the, one of the things, what was his name? He passed. Tony, he did. Tony Sheesh. Tony Sheesh. Here's the thing that um, one of the things I, 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 when I read during his passing, I read a lot of stuff about him. Um, he said that he, he pictured the culture of his of Zappos as a garden, as a greenhouse. And he said his job was not to make sure that one plant grew more than the other plant or to make sure that they – his job was to make sure that the plants grew to their maximum height. Mm. And the way he said it was good because it was a way that he wanted people to have their culture. He wanted everybody to rise up as good as, and I know every leader says that, but there were certain things that if you read about that, why he pegged that to that has a lot to do with that. I, I, that that guy was incredible. You know, it's incredible people like that, that end up having the drug problems and issues that sometimes are, that take them down, you know? Yeah. So, so what I did was I said, you know what? I wonder what our culture is. So rather than me coming and saying, Hey, this, this is our value. I wanted to discover what my staff thought our values were and and kind of what the values were. So what I did was I created a a questionnaire that I gave at our annual review and every staff answered these questions. I'm going to read you the questions in a second. I actually pulled the, pulled the report from, this was 2011 planning. Okay. Okay. Um, and I, and I, what I did was I pulled out words that they, that they used in these answers and I put them up on my whiteboard and me and my business partner sat there and said, okay, these are the words that they're using to describe us. What's our culture? And we developed our core values based off of that. All right. So the first question we asked was what do customers expect? And we got answers like professionalism, knowledge about products, expertise, guidance, efficient customer service, quick response times, patience, understanding, forthrightness. And then we asked, what do our customers actually experience? So what do they expect and what do they actually experience? Service, uh, quality, knowledge, patience, understanding, price. Okay, cool. And here was the, this is where it got really interesting. What emotions do customers feel? Right? What emotions do customers feel? This was one of the answers. Love. Seriously, I think they feel welcomed and at home. This is one of our staff was saying about what our customers experience. Someone else said fear, concern, frustration, but relief when helped. Hope when they experience true empathy and expert uh, expert planning. Empathy. I mean, these are really strong words. This is what my staff is saying that people are experiencing. Hmm. Then we asked what stories are they telling their friends about us? So, So think of you. If you have an agency, what are your customers telling other people, their friends, their family about you? And one, someone said that we're different in a good way from other agencies. This is my staff saying this, that we're different in a good way from other agencies. And oh, then... Um, like that? And then two more questions that we asked was, how can company culture create more stories and memories? 
So I want my staff to think about how can our culture help create better stories that people are telling about us. Again, this is my staff's feedback. It needs to stand out among the rest with atmosphere, making the client feel special and important, knowing they can trust those in the company with, the most, with their most precious assets. We're a family and people sense that when they meet us and do business with us, they sense that we're a family. They sense it. When they come in, they feel that we're a family. Our culture of family is a way that we can create a better memory for them, a better experience for them. This is powerful stuff. This is my staff is. telling me. This is not me is. sitting in a room telling them what our values are. This is them telling me. And you said you did this in 2011. It's 2011. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was pretty, pretty forward-thinking of yourself. Yeah. And then... Um, <laughs> It was pretty poor thinking. No, Tony Sheesh, man. I went to his thing. I was inspired. I was young and inspired. Right? Uh, this I, is actually re, re, going through this process is actually inspiring me to to want to want to jump back in. All right. So last question. Then I'll tell you the core values that we defined that we developed. What would you say our core values as a company are? So now I'm asking them. What would you say our core values are? And they gave me an answer like uh, providing the best products or service to our clients that are appropriate for their needs. Appropriate for their needs. That's important. Um, establishing trust, personal relationships, personal relationships, that's important uh, with clients, to go beyond the expected in order to sell appropriate coverage. Two different people using the word appropriate coverage. And then uh, last question, what's our business? Helping clients find, this is, this, is a client, this is a staff member. This was, a, she's not with us anymore. She was the most cynical person. Ultimately, she left because she didn't fit our overall culture, Okay. Mm -hmm. But this is what she said, helping clients find security and peace of mind, knowing that their assets are being efficiently and professionally managed by people they can trust. You have a culture. What is your culture? Discover it. Don't, don't let it be top down. Let it be bottom up. So I sat with all these words and all these ideas on a whiteboard, and we came up with six, six, um, six core values. Number one, it's uh, value others above self or consider others more important than ourselves. Right? So when our clients are, are in front of us, they're the most important. Number two, go beyond what's expected. Customer service is expected, y'all. Don't expect to, to wow your client because you answered the phone. <laughs> Maybe in some markets right now, answering the phone is actually, good, is, is actually beyond what's expected. It is. Um, but what are the things that you can do that takes your clients beyond their expectation? Number three, cultivate a family spirit. Um, treat people like part of our family. That's become create a, a team environment. Yeah. But when clients come in, you know, give them the same respect, the same treatment that you would another team member, another another family member. Four, pursue growth and learning. That we always have to be growing. This is both personally and professionally. We should always be growing mm -hmm. and learning. And if you're familiar with Zappos core values, you can see the influence of Zappos on on kind of our thinking and our values. Number five, embrace change. Uh, I, this was my value that this is my top down approach. Most of us don't like change, but the reality is in our space, in our industry, change is inevitable. And if we fight it, then we're going to, we're going to get left behind. So when, um, Facebook marketing iPads goes away, what's your next digital marketing approach, right? When AI takes over, you better be quick, to jump on that, on that horse. Must be. Um, and then the sixth, the sixth value this is actually the most contested one, um, just because we couldn't figure out how to write it. But it's let fun happen. We like having fun. If you ever, mm -hmm. if you've ever been around uh, me or my staff, we like to laugh. If you've met Geo, Geo's a jokester, uh, my business partner. Um, so the idea is, hey, look, fun's gonna happen. It's all around. We just got to get out the way and let it happen. 
That's right. So let fun happen. So you have a culture agency owner. What is it? And if your team is helping you draw it out, it's going to be much stickier than if you're just telling them how to act and how to think. Loyal listeners, this is why it's agents influence, uh, giving a voice to those who have no voice and greatest industry God created. So we can keep forward change and momentum. That's the reason why we do what we do. Today, we know how you make money. That's important, right? Two different types. You can't remember? Go back and listen again. How we be like Paul, Timothy, and Barnabas, whatever his name is. Barnabas. Thank you. Um, to be like that. And then, you know, your culture. You have a culture already, whether you think it or not. And that made me think of something, Eric. It's like habits. It's mm-hmm. like a routine. Billy says to me, we always walk around and say, I need to get habits or I need to create a routine. You already have habits and you already have a routine. Yeah. It's about recognizing them and deciding, do I want to keep them or not? Um, but that's a very good. Eric, you're going to mark down three more. We're going to come back and we're going to do this again. Uh, all you loyal listeners, you know what I do because I do it for you. Tell me your thoughts and tell me your ideas and I'm going to tell the world what you have to say. This has been Cass and he is out. Hey, agents, listen to this. Listen to this. What are we terrible at? Think of it. Think of it. Really? We're, we're terrible at training, right? We're not very good at hiring. We're not very good. Terrible at firing, actually. Uh, terrible at creating process and some workflows. Terrible at technology and implementing that technology and even knowing what type of technology we want. And the list goes on and on. Now, listen, I'm an agency owner. And I, you know how it is to, to fix a problem. The first thing you've got to do is you got to admit you have a problem. Here's what you do. Go to virtualintel.com. Check out what we do because we do all those bad things that you can't do. Really? And you may do one or two of them well. Good for you if you can do them all. Just want you to know you're in the minority. But if you can't do any of them good or you don't even want to do them anymore because it just takes too much mental power, then good for you for realizing that and give us a call. I'm telling you, virtual intelligence, that's what we do. And where we specialize in high quality VEs, not virtual assistants. Look it up. Go to ChatGPT. Put in what's the difference between a virtual assistant and a virtual employee. Enough said. I don't have enough time to go on and on about all the differences on this 60 second commercial, but you've got time to search it and look at it. That's what we do. We deliver high quality VEs. We mix the technology with it. We train them on the technology, give them and the technology to you and you're off to the races. I'm not joking with you. You can call my agency at any time, ask for Lordland. And we do ask her, say, how fast are you able to do quotes? I've actually got a couple videos of it. That's right. We can do five to 10 carriers in one quote in three to seven minutes. So you give me an auto quote, I can do five to 10 carriers in three to seven minutes. How are we doing it? We're doing it through the technology of virtual intelligence. Give us a call, check us out. You can ask for me personally, I'll do the demo for you. Who are they? Cast Certified.